0: VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill,
1: the muscle memory starts to develop.
0: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Thank you. Thank you very much. In
1: 1993, then-President Bill Clinton stepped up to a podium to make an announcement.
0: I believe... We have made a decision now that will permit us to create an economic order in the world that will promote more growth, more equality, better preservation of the environment, and a greater possibility of world peace.
1: That clip is from the William J. Clinton Presidential Library, and in it, the president signs into law the North American Free Trade Agreement, or NAFTA. The goal of that law was to boost the U.S. economy by opening up trade with Canada and Mexico. 24 years later, trade has grown. For example, Mexico now sends almost $11 billion worth of fruit and vegetables each year into the U.S. And farmers in states like Iowa make their living by sending corn south. But NAFTA also caused something else to expand, a different kind of boom Clinton didn't mention back in 1993. After more than two decades of America exporting corn, pork, and dairy products to Mexico, what's also growing are Mexican waste lines. Welcome to Benchmark. I'm Scott Landman, economics editor with Bloomberg News in Washington. On Benchmark, we've discussed before how the Trump administration thinks NAFTA is unfair to American workers, but we've never really looked at how the trade agreement has changed Mexico and its citizens. One big change? America has made Mexico more obese. A recent study by researchers in the U.S. and Europe posted on the website VoxEU found a direct correlation between declining public health in Mexico and the increase in soybean and pork products being shipped there. Shelly Hagen, our economy team intern in D.C., wrote an article about this study, and she's here with us today. Shelley, welcome to Benchmark.
0: Thanks for having me, Scott.
1: So what did this paper say, Shelley?
0: A group of economists found that Mexico has been importing a large amount of unhealthy American food and beverage products, a number that has grown since NAFTA went into effect in the 1990s. At the same time, Mexico's imports of healthy American products like fruits and veggies— have not grown nearly as fast as the unhealthy imports. While Mexico has been purchasing more and more unhealthy goods from America, Mexico's obesity rates have also risen, as much as 15% in 20 years. In fact, Mexico now has more overweight and obese people as a share of the population than more than 30 major economies, including the U.S.
1: All right, thanks, Shelley. Now, to discuss this change in public health, we're joined by Simone Barquera. He's the executive director of the Nutrition and Health Research Center at Mexico's National Institute of Public Health, and he's spent years studying obesity, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease. He joins us from Cuernavaca, Mexico, just outside Mexico City. Dr. Barquera, bienvenido, and welcome to Benchmark.
2: Thank you very much, Scott.
1: First, just a bit of full disclosure. Dr. Barquera's research has been partially funded through an unrestricted grant from Bloomberg Philanthropies, which encompasses the charitable activities of Mike Bloomberg, the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, which is the parent company of this podcast. So let's go back in time 30 years ago to the 1980s. Dr. Barquera, what did Mexicans eat back then?
2: At that time, the consumption was, mostly of basic foods that were prepared in houses, mostly beans, tortilla, and many vegetables that are combined in the dishes, also fruits that are locally produced, and and different types of water infusions that we called agua frescas, some of them with some amount of sugar, but not as much as a soda, and that has changed a lot since then.
1: And how would you describe the general health of Mexicans 30 years ago?
2: Well, in the 80s, there was a very low prevalence of overweight and obesity. Maybe only about less than 30% of the population had obesity or overweight, and right now it's 70%. So we basically are thinking of another country where, where obesity was very uncommon.
1: And How did this change throughout the 1990s and the 2000s?
2: Well, it it was very interesting to see that in just an 11-year period from 1988 to 1999, the increase, for example, in soda consumption was of about 40%. Uh, At the same time, at that moment, uh, the consumption of fruits and vegetables decreased, and uh, there was... A very important change in the uh, patterns of food consumption, but also in in the general food system in the country.
0: How much of a problem is obesity in Mexico today? Today,
2: I I can say that it is the most important public health problem. Uh, We have an alert, an epidemiologic alert, due to the high rates of diabetes and obesity that we are facing since maybe since 2012. We have 70% of all adults with overweight and obesity, and one out of every three children has overweight or obesity. So it's a very complex situation. In the case of diabetes, we are one of the countries in the world with the highest mortality and burden uh, of this condition, which is uh, mostly related to the high rates of obesity.
1: And what would you say are the byproducts of this trend? I mean, how is that affecting, say, health services in the country, hospitals, doctors? How would you describe that?
2: Well, it's very complicated. It's a challenge because obesity is associated with more than 14 causes of death. And so it goes from diabetes to cardiovascular disease and cancer. And, And these chronic conditions are very expensive because they cannot be solved with antibiotic with a single treatment. These these conditions require uh, life treatments, and complications are very expensive and cause a lot of incapacity. So these these conditions affect productivity. Uh, so, for example, um, the diabetes is the main cause of uh, blindness in the country, also of amputations, and also of renal failure and dialysis and this kind of treatments are so expensive that there is no enough budget in the system to to be able to treat all the patients with this problem so so definitely the only option is to try to work very hard on preventing and controlling these conditions through reducing the rates of obesity.
1: Why do you think Mexicans have become more obese than many other countries that are more developed and have higher incomes?
2: Well, I think it's a combination of factors, but one of the most important is a very uh, rapid transition to a model of uh, industrialized food, which is a phenomenon called acculturation and without controlling the the new environment. So the population transitioned very quickly from drinking aguas frescas and and traditional food, basic food prepared at home, to ultra-processed food that is bought in a supermarket that has a lot of ingredients that are unhealthy, such as sugar, salt, and fat, and uh, without knowing really the relation of diet to these uh, chronic conditions which were not really prevalent in the country. So you can still now see many populations in, in poor areas of the country, such as the South, where people have diabetes for the first time in their families, so first generation. And it's very complicated. They don't understand why they felt thirsty. And they, sometimes they don't know that, that they have to stop drinking soda. There are many communities where soda has become part of of local ritual traditions. So it is becoming very complicated to try to implement measures or policies to decrease these unhealthy new habits in the population.
0: And would you say that obesity is more of an issue in cities or in rural areas or both? Well,
2: obesity is more prevalent in the cities right now in Mexico. But when you measure the speed of increase, rural areas are now having a higher speed of increase in the prevalence of obesity. That means that rural areas are very quickly catching up with the high prevalence of obesity that we are watching in the cities.
0: Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time.
1: Simone, over the last 20 years or so, did it ever cross your mind that it was NAFTA that was helped playing a role in delivering these kinds of foods that were boosting obesity in Mexico?
2: Yes, yes, because we saw very interesting effect, effects in food prices after NAFTA. For example, Mexico is a big producer of sugar, but with NAFTA, we started to have also uh, high corn fructose competing in the market that and and the high fructose is subsidized in part by the United States, so it's really low price so to try to maintain the production and the workers of sugar, the government in Mexico also started some sort of support and subsidies to sugar so the net balance of of nafta in this example was that in a very short period of time we have very inexpensive sugar and that uh, was an incentive for producers of many kinds of ultra-processed foods of adding sugar which everybody likes and it's an inexpensive way to make, to add something to a food. So this was one of the very important changes. The other change that was impressive was the amount of supermarkets in Mexico. Uh, Just after NAFTA, I, I could say that most of the food purchases now are done in supermarkets. Sometimes are the big chains uh, with the same names as in the U.S.
1: And there used to be shopping, and most people would used to shop at, say, smaller markets. Is that, is that fair?
2: Yes, yes. They, they used to shop in small markets of locally produced foods. For example... Um, it, there was always, as the bakeries in Europe, we had the, the tortillerías, the corner shop in which the, there was a tortilla, small little factory in, in in every town. And now the tortillas are being sold in the supermarkets uh, also, and it's, it's the same, the same kind of preparation of flour for for all of them, and it's yeah, an industrialized process. So, so it's, the food system has changed a lot in only. Twenty to thirty years.
1: Now, there have also been some efforts to attack this problem to restrict the consumption of the kinds of foods that are making people obese. There is a uh, soda tax, and and also I believe a junk food tax. Uh, are these taxes working? Have they had any effect on obesity?
2: Yes, we we definitely have evidence that these uh, taxes are working. And when we first watch consumption of soda. In the end of the 90s, there was a very big amount of calories coming every day from sugary beverage in all age groups. So, so it was a, it was a problem, and we started recommending a soda tax since 2003. So, after more than 10 years, finally the government had a window of opportunity to implement this tax, and we have done different efforts to evaluate the effects in these two years, which is the, the period that we have the tax. It's a small tax. It's only one peso per liter, so equivalent to about 10%. And even though it's smaller than that, what most international agencies recommend, it has been able to show reductions in consumption that are of about seven to twelve percent depending on the on the groups and, and that's a lot. That in a country that has one hundred and twenty six million inhabitants, having these kind of reductions per capita represents many tons of sugar that are not consumed thanks to this policy.
0: Besides taxes, what other policies could help?
2: Well we are trying very intensively to promote some warning labels on food products that are unhealthy, particularly soda and ultra-processed foods that are high in salt, sugar, or fat. And we have seen that uh, countries like Chile that have implemented this kind of warning labels in, in the foods allow the consumers to very quickly identify unhealthy foods and, and look for healthier decisions. So I think this is one policy that in which we need to work very hard. We are trying to to convince the decision makers that this is a very powerful tool in a population that doesn't know how to interpret these complex labelings with numbers and percentages that It's are. almost
1: like cigarette warning labels for junk food, right?
2: Exactly, you're saying this product is high or has an excess of sugar, and then the consumer can compare this one with one that doesn't have this label, and, and that that is very helpful in the context and the other policy that could help a lot is controls on marketing. so again, in the same way as in tobacco, marketing is a very powerful tool of corporations to increase consumption, and sometimes this marketing in, in food is directed to children, so we need to develop better policies and regulations to protect children from having unhealthy foods. We are, for example, evaluating point of purchase and in the supermarkets, it is completely directed to attract children and most of the foods that are sold have, uh, are, have excess of sugar and other ingredients that are unhealthy. So this is something that in which we also need to work a lot. And in schools and other sites in which children are very frequently such as public parks try to increase availability of water and to decrease marketing and also sale of unhealthy products
1: dr barquera we can't let you go without talking about the big issue looming all over this andres manuel lopez obrador is the leading candidate in Mexico's upcoming presidential election and he likes to talk about how NAFTA has driven Mexican farmers out of business just as a side note check out our new poll tracker on bloomberg.com for the Mexican presidential election Dr. Barquera is there any link between the loss of local agriculture in Mexico and the rise in obesity
2: My sense is that in general many of the macroeconomic indicators of Mexico have been improving even Talking about health and development, we have been a nation that is showing a little bit above average improvement compared to other Latin American countries. So it's it's complex to evaluate something such as the food system that has many effects. Many experts, for example, from the World Health Organization are, are trying to understand the net benefits of trade, which sometimes are for example, food availability and reduction of undernutrition, and then compare the trade-offs such as increasing non-communicable chronic diseases. This is a challenge, and we don't have very clear understanding of it, but in general, I think the, the main challenge is uh, a challenge that can be solved mostly by regulating and helping the food environment more than avoiding trade Just as a solution.
1: All right, a very diplomatic answer Dr. Barcera. Thank you so much for joining us today on Benchmark.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Benchmark will be back next week. Until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg terminal, Bloomberg.com, our Bloomberg app and podcast destinations such as Apple Podcasts, Overcast and Stitcher. Please take the time to rate and review the show. And you can also find us on Twitter. You can follow me at Scott Landman. Shelly, you're at.
0: At Shelly K. Hagan. S-H-E-L-L-Y-K-H-A-G-A-N.
1: Our guest is at, at. S-B-A-R-Q-U-E-R-A. And as a side note, check out our new poll tracker on Bloomberg.com for the Mexican presidential election. Benchmark is produced by Topher Forges. The head of Bloomberg Podcasts is Francesca Levy. Thanks for listening. See you next time.